Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet, where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine to become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Aaron O'Dowd. On today's show, we have Lee Heasley. She is a person who discovered spirituality and decided to read every single book that she could find on this particular topic. She then decided to enter the world of business and marketing and realized this was not for her. Then she got working in the area of hair and beauty and realized that she could have some in-depth conversations while the person was getting their haircut or their makeup done in the salon. She then became an artist and a photographer and is an author. She has written three books, Awakened Beings of Light, The Living Web, and I am Lee Heasley. Hello and welcome to the show, Lee. How are you doing today? Very good. Oh, excellent. Did you go through the arts and the photography before you entered the world of holistic and spirituality? No, no, no. Let's see. Everything was kind of mingled together. I came into the world with all of these pieces, art being one of them, divine connection being another, seeing deeply into the world in a ways that didn't seem like most other people did, which at the beginning of my life was a bit challenging, making peace with that. But as I got older, and um, with the support of my family, I just kind of owned who I was and began immersing myself in all things spiritual. And art was a good way to express myself and learn about my connection with all there is. But I actually just started out into business. And then that's what started everything, really. Once I got out of business school, I couldn't handle the real world, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) And why? Um, Because it just wasn't straightforward enough for me. There was too many niceties, games being played. There was no forthright communication. And it was really heavy on me. Only a year after being out of college, working in a bank, I decided I can't do this anymore. I have to go into the arts somehow. So I got into hair and makeup first. That was the easiest transition for me. And then after that, it was about 11 years, I transitioned into yoga because the way I was interacting with people, I always felt like I had something to share um, to help brighten people's lives, so to speak, and help them become more aware of themselves and what brings them joy. And originally that started out in retail, which seems funny to me now. Um, And then it transitioned into the whole, you know, banking world and then hair and makeup. So I was getting closer and closer to individual deep experiences with people. And you have to keep in mind during all of this, I've constantly been studying the human behavior and history and spirituality of all sorts from around the world as far back as I can start reading I was intrigued by the world and humans involvement and our uh, interconnected being with each other trying to put the pieces together while I was leading a regular life right (laughs) yeah right and and what fascinated you about the world at that time at the beginning of my journey I was very concerned about what we were doing to our environment and I couldn't understand how we didn't 
connect with our interbeing with nature. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is water quality and garbage. I used to have these conversations with my friends at school and I'm sure they thought I was a, a little off the deep end because I always went into these deep conversations with them, but um, a couple of them were interested too, so that helped. Just trying to figure out how we got there and how to fix it. Originally, I had more of like a, a warrior spirit about me. Um, and then as years go on and the more you learn about self and others and the whole perfection of the imperfection, you start to relax a little bit more. And uh, that warrior spirit dissipated and transitioned into just wanting to inspire. I feel like change comes from one person at a time. I feel like outward um, pressure and, you know, like trying to make change happen. It can't come from the outside in, it has to come from the inside out. So I've adjusted my focus to more of an empowerment, you know, working with individuals and, and through creativity and nature. The more we're inundated with our natural world and our creativity, the more we naturally come across a harmony. Through the transition of business to arts and with the interest of the world that you discovered through your, your period at that time, was it an easy transition? Oh geez, there's always really big bumps in the road. I'm really sensitive. So not only was I learning how to discern you know, people in my life, circumstances in my life, empowering myself really. And I think the biggest change came about when I had my daughter because my body started to shut down. I've always been really interested also in the physicality of the body and the health and holistic ways of working with the body. Um, so that helped me when my body was failing me to do the research and immerse myself into learning how to integrate all these pieces of my life. And I feel like my daughter was the jumpstart to that integration. Through that integration, was photography first or was the arts more important? Oh, geez, those were kind of always in the background. Actually, I was more interested in just working with people one-on-one. -on -one. So at the time, I was working with hair and makeup, right? But it was always eco-friendly. And how can I have the people in my chair understand that less is more and be aware of not only what you're doing to yourself, but how your actions are affecting everybody else. And that would turn into these big conversations of like where people were at in their lives, what they had in mind for the future. And I end up playing this role of like, it seems like people that were in transition end up coming to me. So I end up like being like a little cheerleader and kind of like assist them in choosing their paths, so to speak. And that was, that was pretty cool. But when that got to be too intense because of the energetic, like I was saying about like the discernment with frequencies, I had to learn through my family first and then friends and then work. And like I said, that one-on-one -on -one with these, uh, these people and their transitions, it got to be too much. So then I had already been doing yoga and that's already been a part of my life for a really long time before Tess even. And that's my daughter. Okay. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, what if I just got my certification to teach this for real? And then that would remove me from these individual one-on-one -on -one conversations and just cultivate a space of peace so we can all just feel it. And once you feel it, I feel like you can go out into the world and know what that's like and recreate it yourself without having to like dig into your energy stores to have these one-on-one -on -one interactions with people. Does that make sense? <laughs> it, it does. And during that time, during the yoga, do you understand the energy aspect of that? 
Well, that's the thing too. I'm a natural energy healer and worker. So yeah, that was always a part of the equation as well. Metaphysical studies was a part of all my other studies. Pretty much you name it, science, metaphysics, the human body, um, holistic therapies. I've been so immersed in researching as far back as, like I said, I can't remember. I feel like all these pieces have just been swimming around, shaping and reshaping and changing and coming together as need be, depending on the trajectory that I chose to work with. Does that make sense? It does. And how did your family adapt and understand you through this exploration? (laughs) I've always been an intriguing creature, but um, they just see me as that, accept me as that, and love me as that, regardless of how I'm expressing myself, if that makes any sense. And your daughter, does she accept this, or is this a kind of a, no, mommy, this is too much? Well, she's a very sensitive being, too. Go figure, right? I feel like um, if you are at a certain energetic frequency, you're going to be working with that kind of frequency. And she definitely chose my husband and I for that purpose. My husband's more grounded and earthy, but he's also very aware. Um, He just has a skill set that's earthbound so to speak and mine's more spiritual so the culmination of both of our energies raising her um has been really intriguing because she has moments that she's really like on the ethereal spiritual side and then she has moments of rejection where she just wants to be a regular normal 3d kid but she can get that from both of us and um your book awakening tell us about how that came about oh my goodness um i feel like everything comes to me when it should i never go looking for anything i've always had a communication with other beings other energies and i'm just listening all the time and open to whatever it is that they have to share the awakened beings of light happened during another huge transition for me i call that my super integration time we had moved houses to virginia charlottesville virginia which is wonderful that this space called me here because i feel like there's a sanctuary kind of energy here there's different energy vortexes and crystals they abound here so the support for a transitory state is magnificent so basically day in and day out i would just have these words and images come to me and they required that i write them down and after a while i just compiled them and i was told okay that's enough for this one and i was told that there's going to be three books within the series and it's hard to imagine that there was going to be because each time I would finish writing something, I didn't think, oh, I'm gonna write some more tomorrow. That's not how it worked. It just, it flowed. It was either here or it wasn't, but there's really not a day that goes by that there isn't some kind of communication. And so now, um, after the three books that have been written, it starts out more complicated at the beginning with Awakened Beings of Light, and then it moves into the the living web, and that kind of uh, streamlines some of the information that was in Awakened Beings and makes it more tangible. And then the third one is more, okay, here we are, you've got all this information now, let's make this work for you in your daily life right now. So once those three were finished, I feel like that's when the art and photography has gotten more intense. I started out with angelic and ascended master energies uh, over the last few years and into this book. The ethereal realm has always kind of been an underpinning, but not been the focus, but I feel like they want their time in the light now. So there's been a lot of communicating with nature itself, um, individual plants, um, 
certain groupings of trees or bushes or moss, you name it. There's communication happening all the time. But also, the fairy beings, they're coming to the forefront. So in a non-obtrusive non way, I'm kind of putting it out there that these nature beings and fairy beings are interconnected and they can help support us and being in contact with the whispers in life. I feel like that's the ultimate place to be after all of the other work is done with the mind, the body, the emotions, the spiritual. Then we get to this lighter, softer energy that's constantly speaking to us so we don't have to have major catastrophic events happen. We can pick up on them when they're just the whispers. And you say whispers, define that for us. That's what I was talking about with like the voices and like images and communication that's happening all the time. When you're centered within yourself, you're not distracted by the worldliness of 3D life. You become connected on a bunch of different levels, not just 3D, but you move beyond into, I don't know, just being more connected to your feelings and your thoughts and sensations of the body beyond just the everyday living. We're constantly being inundated with information and it could just be even like, I don't know, noticing the same numbers a lot or noticing a specific plant all the time or an animal and then meditating on that or go look it up on the internet. Start putting these pieces together. Start building your library of your own communication with the world. What is your way of connecting with this? the hidden worlds. <laughs> I don't have to do anything now. Uh, <laughs> it's just allowing it to happen, I guess, is what happens naturally once you've already worked on the other pieces of yourself with focused intent and dedication. And did you feel the art world and the photography kind of helped you transition into that area? Uh, just brought it to the forefront for sure. Okay. Because now I, I don't even have any interest in reading anymore. I feel like <sighs> probably... The physical body was one of the first things that I worked with, then the mental, then the emotional, and the spiritual. Not to say that they weren't kind of like mm, weaving in and out of each other, but that's the solidification of it all. And once those four were taken care of, I didn't have to go, quote unquote, meditate to connect. Now it's just a natural state of being, like life is a meditation. So if you're constantly in a state of meditation, then you're always open to hearing, sensing, let's call it uh, true sight, is just a part of you. You can't miss it then, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and being sensitive to the, the hidden world, are you still able to connect to the 3D world that's around us today? And that's the important part, right? Those are the four mm -hmm. that I was talking about. The physical one was really challenging for me for a long time because part of me just didn't want to deal with it. It's like, I just, it's too hard being here. It's too heavy. It's too stressful and sad. And like, I kept focusing on what I saw as the negative pieces, right? Well, the more that these other, like, um, the spiritual and the emotional and mental started coming together, then the physicality of it all started making more sense to me. I could see all of them within each other, if that makes any sense. For anybody listening to it, where should they start? The physical, the mental, the emotional, or the spiritual? It mind? depends on your personality and where you're at. I feel like it's different for everybody, and it comes in, um, how do I want to say it? Different mixtures. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it really helped when I was working with numerology and astrology 
and kind of doing like a divine mapping of myself. That really helped pinpoint areas that needed some more work, or at least brought to my attention what my natural blueprint was when I came in, what I had to work with. While you're saying that, you mentioned the book, The Inner Web. You're kind of pinpointing that we're living in a web of energy. Yes. And we each have our own particular, uh, like I said, blueprint or map that we come in with. And within that, there's infinite possibilities at any given moment. And we can tap into different streams of it depending on where we're at with our focus. You mentioned about the fairies. Are they your guides or are you just very connected with the fairies? (laughs) Well... I feel like part of my story is is that energetically I feel like I was here at the beginning when this this 3D experience was being kind of put together, so to speak. And I feel like I was with a bunch of other beings that were here to support the evolution of human beings. And when it got to a point when it just really wasn't a good idea for us to be out in the open anymore, I spent a lot of time in the magical world kind of like hiding out until times were right. And I feel like that's when a lot of that connection uh, was really anchored. And then when I felt like, and I'm sure a lot of energetic beings as well, decided that, okay, the time is right. We can start bringing this energy back out into the world. We're starting to shift balance again. Um, I feel like they've always been with me since then. From what all you've read up to now, is there anything that you, you go back and read again just to clarify or are you just... Uh, go through intuition? Oh, it's all based off intuition. Once something connects, I feel like everything in life is just a way to click a remembering within us. It's not meant to be gone back over and over and over and over again. It's like what you read, what you experience, even if it's like in a movie or, I don't know, some piece of art, whatever. It's all meant to Uh, re-engage that information that's been kind of hiding out has been latent in your youtube videos you have a a mantra can you explain that about that to us yeah yeah oh geez that's like the ultimate mantra for me i feel like that connects with all of the realms within realms so to speak and and chanting that it just brings a natural unification of energies. And if we're in that natural state of unification and center, that's when healing occurs. Healing really is just remembering that we are whole and that everything is actually perfect the way that it is. And And I feel like that mantra just is a tool to be able to tap into that effectively and efficiently. Was that a mantra that you found just that fitted with you or did you experiment with different mantras? See, that's the thing. I'm always guided, right? So <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't have any mental, like, I'm going to go do this now, or I'm going to go do that now. That's not how it works. It's like I'm told, and I find what I need to find, and I do it as long as I'm led to do it, and then drop it if I have to. Like, I've, I've been through a lot of tools and processes over the years, and they all just fall away. And during that kind of process of letting go, it's helped me understand other people on their journey what's right for them at any given moment you know yeah and being more accepting and loving towards wherever they're at i know you explained the background of the, the mantra but what's the like related to the world where is it located relation to the world i feel like it's the ultimate 
the ultimate stream to tap into, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it's like the stream of our beingness. So within that, that large stream of beingness, we can let go and let the centering happen naturally. Let the, the wholeness fill us. And then once we come out of that, we can tap into our own stream again. But for the time being, it's kind of like a, a non-defined cosmic sea, so to speak. Do you work with clients or is it just many writing that you do <laughs> or, or, or artistic work? Ah, see, that was a part of my journey. That one-on-one stuff, that was a very intricate um, and important part. But like I said, the more uh, sensitive and in tune I became, the more I needed to step back. I wasn't going to be a helper anymore. I didn't want to be a guide anymore. It just took too much out of me. Um, So no, I don't do one-on-one clients anymore. I don't have like one-on-one discussions with people anymore. I've kind of removed myself from that space because I felt like it wasn't beneficial to me or them. I feel like if somebody's ready, somehow we're gonna come across each other and it's not gonna be scripted, it's not gonna be planned for, it'll just happen. And to just trust in that, focus on the art, focus on inspiring and just inundating people with magic and nature and everything else will take care of itself. And I just wanna go back to the mantra, what is it? Is it English? Like when you when you speak it, does it like is it aha or om or just tell us a bit about, about tell us a bit about that? Here, how about I just do you want me to say it once through? And yeah, talk that'd, be, that'd be great. Yeah. All right, here we go. Let's start with a deep breath. Om Bur, Om Bhavaha, Om Swaha, Om Maha, Om Janaha, Om Tabaha, Om Satyam, Om Tat Savicho Vrenyam, Bargo Devasya Dimihi, Dio Yonaha, Prachodayat. So as you can tell, it's in Sanskrit, but I believe it's something that goes beyond um, an origination, uh, a label. It's an energy that's been around since beings have been on this planet and at one time we all knew how to tap into it and then you know as time goes on and the evolution is uh, in process I feel like we have to lose some of that information in order to come back around to it so we really understand it from an experiential point so I feel it's time for that energy to come back into uh, focus and to be utilized by us all. Do you say that mantra everywhere you go or is it just special places? Well, it's something that was with me uh, a lot over the last, I don't know, probably three or four years. And it started out just as a practice, but the more integrated I became, the more I didn't need it. So. Now I only call upon it when the occasion arises, so to speak. And it's not really just me doing it, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm asked to share it. I think the last time I used it most intensely was when I was walking through the woods with a couple of my friends, and we just realized that there was this area back there um, that needed acknowledged and needed space held for it. So two of us ended up chanting it while the other one just literally stood there with her hands open holding a space for it. And I like using the numbers 369 
So typically I'll say it within those number frequencies. Um, when I was using it as a practice, I would do it 108 times. Wow, that's a very intense uh, chanting. It is. <laughs> <laughs> the names of your books, and you told us about the story about them, but were those names kind of like wake up at four in the morning and they came to you kind of thing? No, it's a constant communication. And I can't even tell you how exactly it happened because it's such a seamless flow. Um, they tell me what they want to be called. And so it is, right? But there's no like particular like times or frames of reference that stand out as being particular. Flow is a very interesting, but yes, it's so organic at the same time. Mm-hmm. But to have the flow, I feel like there has to be a structure built. There has to be a foundation for the flow to occur. And that requires all those other pieces that I mentioned. The physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. Like those have to be tightly woven before the flow can actually do its job and not be chaotic and not take you all over the place. Does that make sense? Uh, it does, yeah. So you're you're building a structure for a flow to go up and down instead of left and right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and really it's all inclusive. It's not just, you know, it's multi-directional and multi-dimensional once you get the foundation set. If you could, from all of what you've read and a listener or someone starting out from the very beginning, where would you pinpoint them to? Again, <laughs> that's it. It's just, I feel like it's so specialized. Um, I guess, first and foremost, try to figure out what your core is. Is it more based in physicality? Is it more based in spirituality, emotionality? Like, figure out what piece is first and then decide your trajectory from there. Like if it's more physical, then start learning about the holistic spiritual side of life. The interconnected beingness of like all your cells in your body, um, so on and so forth. <laughs> and how plants and water and how the energy affects all of that, like how and where you get it, how you ingest it, how it processes through your body, that stuff. And if you're more in the mental areas and arenas, I feel like Buddhism is a really good place to start because I feel that it gives you the empowerment of self and also the wider scope of being able to see the bigger picture of self within the bigger picture. So when you pick up these other studies, whether it be social studies, um, maths, arts, sciences, even metaphysical for that matter, you're able to uh, look at it with a wider scope instead of like bringing your little self into the picture and trying to understand the pieces. I know you, you talk about the energy and the flow and so on, but when you were going through your, your discovery and exploration, was there a particular religion that you was associated with? No, never had a particular religion, even from the beginning. I was raised kind of opened. Um, my mom is a Christian, and my dad was raised Catholic, but he really doesn't associate with any particular religion, though he really enjoyed Buddhist studies um, as well. He really likes the Tao Te Ching. <laughs> <laughs> he was very philosophical, still is to this day. And my mom was all about Jesus. She loves her Jesus. Um, so I was kind of exposed to, you know, quote-unquote blind faith and just eternal love for a master being and then also 
the more thinking, mental, reflective studies like the Tao Te Ching. So it's an intriguing <laughs> mixture, which just spurred me on to want to learn more about these traditions. You said your first book that you had um, assessed a previous master's energy to the book. Was that someone that was working with you or was it the master that you knew? Well, masters presented themselves just along my journey. Um, they would show up as images or colors and I'd have to go look it up, see who it was. And normally it was just connecting within myself certain pieces so that I could get to this point where I could be an open conduit. It's not like they were telling me to write anything per se. They were my like support system to get where I needed to be so I can be in a, um, how do I say, divine connection with whatever it is that I was supposed to relay, hmm. being Lee. <laughs> Do you have any books in the pipeline or any creative works coming down in 2016? Well, it's nonstop. I, it, whether it be through um, the photography or energetic drawings or writings, there's always something happening at any given moment. And I utilized Facebook to get these messages out into the world in a, in a larger scale in a regular basis but I also have other ways of uh, culminating them together so eventually they can come out like as a book or as a collection of, of photos I think I would like to have some of my images with a little bit of words just to connect kids with their their natural behaviors of being inquisitive and keeping that wonder alive so merging magic and nature together in a short little book. I have a, a vision for that. When you take pictures of photos or of energy fields, what do you take photos of? See, that's the thing too, right? Always being guided. I don't know what I'm doing per se, and it's not like I'm a trained photographer and I'm just, I'm using my iPhone. Um, it's just whatever has something to say at any given moment. It could be something that's pretty to look at. It might not be pretty to look at. And sometimes when I upload them into my computer, sometimes they want to be like digitally manipulated to get a certain energy across to show their multi-dimensionality. Sometimes it's just as simple as just the straight photo itself with no edits. They kind of let me know how they want to be presented. And is it the same when you do energy drawings or does that take a whole different nature of it? It's all the same. It all comes through intuition. I don't have any inkling of what's going to happen. Like when it comes to drawing, writing, or taking pictures, I get this like, oh, I have to go for a walk now and I need to take my, my camera with me. Or I have to sit down and get these ideas out on paper. Or I have to sit down and draw something. But I don't know what any of that is until it actually happens. Is a portfolio of your drawings, are there many symbols or pieces of art or a bit of everything? A bit of everything. And I love just using pencil. I don't like to use colors for the energy drawings. Why not? Why don't you use colors? Well, that's a good question. They don't want color. <laughs> I've, done <it> a couple, <laughs> I've done it a couple times and yeah, I don't know. Like as lead, I do it, but it's not in their nature to want to be anything but that. Just the simplicity of it, I guess, with the um, non-dual nature of it. You have something that's kind of grayish black on a white surface. You know, it's kind of beyond any 
particular specific energies is kind of all of them. It's interesting because energy is color, so be, black would be kind of the best color to draw with, so. Right. Are you able to switch off when you sleep, or are you constantly being bombarded with information to do creative work? <laughs> I noticed that during full moon and new moon that it's harder to sleep, that there's more creative energy coming through. But I feel like once you take care of what needs to be taken care of, then sleep is really easy. But as long as you listen and you give voice to whatever needs given voice to, then when it is time to actually sleep, you will get what you need and it will be deep and it will be healing and it will be beautiful, but you have to trust the process. Just because it's three o'clock in the morning and you haven't gone to bed yet, doesn't mean that you're not gonna get what you need. You have to trust that and not be like, oh, I can't believe that I'm up I should be sleeping. Don't fight it. Don't fight the process. Wow. And how do you work around new moons and full moons? I just listen. If I'm awake and there's more to be created, I go with it until it's enough. The energy, do you think it's quite intense when they come or is it quite subtle? Now it's more subtle. Um, It used to be more intense. When I was writing Awakened Beings of Light, There was a lot of ups and downs with emotions that were connected to this because I wasn't just feeling my own. I was feeling, I feel like uh, a collective of energies with my own. And I feel that writing that book was a way to kind of like tie all those pieces together, unifying them, clarifying them, transforming and transmuting. It's a very powerful, intense experience. And did you find that claustrophobic at the time writing that book? No, no. In in channeling all that energy and emotions to to be written on paper? I felt wild, wild and free and raw. That's that's interesting. You'd think it'd be the opposite. No, well, here's the thing too. When I'm writing, I'm always outside. You can't get me inside. And most of that book was written from spring to the end of summer. So I was always outside experiencing all that nature has to offer. I wasn't like tied up in an office or anything like that. And if I am stuck inside when it gets too cold, I'm always near the windows and I have nature sounds playing. I never allow myself to feel confined. During the spring and summertime when it's not too cold, do you have a particular spot where you go to all the time? Um, yeah, out on my deck. Either that or down by the fairy circle that I have in my backyard. I have a stream in that area as well. Lots of big trees. I need trees, lots of trees. <laughs> <laughs> the fairy circle, did you build that yourself or was that again helped by other other beings? Well, that was another one of those things where I was just guided to go back there. I had eight crystals that formed the circle and then there's also eight crystals for the inside and it just so happened without me even trying that they lined up with the directions. And what crystals did you use? The natural crystals that came from the earth here. Oh, it's like quartz or...? Yeah, it's a type of quartz. Earlier on, you mentioned that uh, Virginia is a very energetic vortex. What do you mean by that? (laughs) It just is. The way that the ley lines um, intersect in these areas, there's certain points um, that are more energetically intense. And you can feel it when you're walking around. You start getting close to these areas. This one walk in particular, I can't remember what the trail was called, something Gap. But it was up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, probably about 30, 40 minutes away. 
my legs just started shaking. I felt like I was floating, just really like uh, buzzing, kind of floaty, flying feeling, even though you're you're hiking <laughs> in the mountains. I know different countries have different energy, but do you think there are energy vortex around the planet Earth? Oh my gosh, so many of them. And then even within the, the big ones, there are smaller ones. I feel like it just keeps breaking down to more refined versions of that energy. So no matter where we're at, I mean, we're always connected with the energies. It's just, are they the finer energies? Are they the medium? Are they more intense? You know what I mean? That's the only thing that changes. When you go traveling, is that are you very aware of that energy change? Oh yeah, for sure. And, and how do you um, go about tuning your energy to be grounded while traveling? Um, it depends. <laughs> Normally when we're traveling, it, we're still inundated with nature. Um, if we ever have to take a pause, we would, maybe I would like sit in the grass or something or like go hug a tree. There's always ways that nature helps center you. What do you think the word centered means? Mm, that's a good question. I feel like center is like a culmination of the, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, ethereal, all kind of wrapped up into one, where you're not focused on any one piece, and they're all allowed to be in their natural state of isness, and you're not being pulled in any which direction. In direction more like mental, physical, all... In any which way, no. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like standing in the center of all of that. And it's just kind of like moving within you, through you, over you. But you're not like connecting with any one of them. And looking back at all that you've uh, learned, experienced and conquered, would you change anything? Never. And there's been some crazy times too. Um... The most intense one was over this last year. I've been pretty good about learning discernment. And family was practiced, friends have been practiced, work was practiced. But the last piece of the puzzle was my own family unit. And I felt like that was the only space that hadn't been really worked through yet. And last fall, I decided that it wasn't in our best interest to continue on the way that we were interacting with each other. It wasn't healthy for any of us. felt like my growth was being stunted by their heavy energy, and I had to be out. I just had to get out. I couldn't be in the same space. So I moved out to a friend's house um, for a couple weeks, but I kept coming back every day because I felt like I had enough skill set and enough centeredness within myself that I could help them adjust to these changes. And I didn't know if I was gonna stay away or or not. I just left it wide open, just waited to see what was gonna happen. And my husband had a huge awakening, just becoming completely and totally, utterly self-accepting and aware of himself and his own energies and what he needed. And then once we understood ourselves and how we interacted with each other, my daughter just naturally came up and met us. My husband also during that time decided to speak to a therapist and I helped him choose one because I needed to make sure that this wasn't any old therapist, so to speak. Um, Somebody that understood energy and metaphysics as well as traditional 
therapies. She was wonderful at helping him to connect with his multi-beingness, learning to love himself and listen to himself and not worry about me being in the equation. And then, I don't know, within a matter of probably four to six weeks, we worked all of that out. And then the 11-11 this last year, we renewed our vows. The whole week before, I set up this process of kind of like pulling all the pieces together. So every day we would choose a crystal card. It's like an oracle card. And one other one that I can't remember what it was right now. <laughs> but um, the oracle cards help to remind us how to focus and integrate that specific energy together. And there's candles involved and crystals involved and of course nature. Um, we did that for seven days up to the point of the 11-11. And we even wrapped up our rings and they were kind of like planted in this little pot with earth and some of the uh, stream soil and a bit of the water. It was wrapped in a sycamore leaf for that whole week, right? So then uh, for the 11-11 ceremony, we both wrote stuff to each other. So we read it out by the fairy circle. And then when the time was right, we unraveled the rings again. So they were clear of the old energy and it was only supportive of the new. And um, with the blessings of nature and the cosmos, we're a new unit, new integrated whole family unit. That is so, that's a beautiful experience. Um, oh, it was. We become, like we want to become enlightened, have samadhi experiences, you know, be awakened. But do you think that is possible or are we living every day of being awake? That's the silly part of it. <laughs> Once we let go of that idea of having to grasp bliss or grasp samadhi and realize that it just is and relax into it, oh, what a relief that is. Um, that deep knowing that this is it. And how we decide to structure our lives, we are deciding how we experience that it <laughs> you know yeah and we have complete control over that how we decide to react to our environment and then it turns into well how do we direct our experiences and then just to be and that's when you go into that that flow mode right once you have that foundation set then you're open to wherever life takes you because you've already experienced how to set up proper boundaries make good choices and now you're free. When you were reading the books of metaphysical spiritual, did you come across this and have that debate yourself? Uh, with the whole like trying, doing, and being? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, being in this 3D body and having connection with 5D or higher energies, there's a bit of a conflict there, you know? Because you have the world telling you one thing, that you should be doing X, Y, and Z to be prosperous or abundant, whatever. To be doing well for yourself, you have to do these set of things. Whereas in the spiritual world, you're kind of told, it'll come to you, just relax, set your intentions. I feel like it's a combination of the two. There's there's some There's some doing in the being. If people read, you know, the word samadhi, enlightenment, awakening, how can they identify that this is just a word and the experience is something completely different? It's a word that sets an intention, I think. 
And once you set that intention, then you can follow through with your actions. So you know that Samadhi will happen, is happening right now, but you gotta be able to connect with it. And that's, you know, the integration of those four things, those four things that I keep talking about, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. You have to have that foundation set for you to be able to release, let go, and just be. That is Samadhi. But you have to have the foundation to even recognize that that's even what it is. Out of everything you've experienced, read about, understood, what would be your most valuable thing that you could share to us? That we are who we are supposed to be and to love that completely and everything else will fall into place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fantastic. Where can we find you? Online, I'm all over the place. If you type in Lee Heasley, you'll find multiple sites. Fantastic. Lee, I just want to say thank you very much for coming onto the show and sharing your journey, experiences, and knowledge. It was so much fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Namaste. (laughs) Namaste. (laughs) Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sanseat Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.